0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Quest Podcast. Today my guest is Savannah Dudzik from Illinois Right to Life. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. And most importantly, It's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and welcome to Season 3 of Quest. A quest is a search for something. and This podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. To me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. And there's still so much we don't know. There's joy in discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Hi, Savannah. Welcome to the quest podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So I wanted to start by telling uh, the listeners a little about your background and where you were. Do you want to get into that for everyone?
1: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Savannah um, and I am the communications assistant at Illinois Right to Life. And I also work as a volunteer pregnancy counselor for Let Them Live. I also do some things on the side. I'm a, the secretary for Chicago Pro-Life Future and the youth ambassador for McHenry County Right to Life. Um, So that's what I do currently in my life.
0: (laughs) What influenced you to become an advocate of the pro-life movement?
1: So I think that there were a lot of different things that influenced me. Um, When I was younger, it was definitely my dad. It was my family. I grew up in a very pro-life family. We would go to pro-life rallies. We would talk openly about why abortion is wrong, why we we need to be there to help women. Um, My mom volunteered some of her time to answer calls for aid for women. So I grew up in that atmosphere and then I entered high school and I was in college and I participated in a lot of different pro-life activities throughout that time, but it was always kind of a side side job for me. It was always a side um, hobby. And once I started seeing, I think it was once I started actually talking to the women who are in the crisis pregnancies and actually um realizing that it's it's my age group it's my demographic it's women just like me who are getting these abortions because they think that they don't have any other options and there are so many of them and there's such a need for people to be involved i think that's when i decided this can't be part-time for me anymore Um, i need to i need to make this my career
0: course, of course. Did you grow up uh, religious or spiritual?
1: Yes, I grew up um, in a traditional Catholic family most of my life. Um, we we weren't always the, well, I, I think we were always involved in, in church, um, in the Catholic atmosphere, but um, I took it to be my own, I guess. Once I became an adult, I had a bit of a year of just kind of figuring out, is the Catholic faith the, where I want to be, or is there something else I should be looking for? And I ultimately found out that, yes, indeed, it is the Catholic faith. Um, so I grew up in that way, and then I kind of made it my own as I became an adult.
0: Sure, of course. And you mentioned, you know, people of your age range. So, you, you know, this is an audio-only podcast, so you're in your 20s, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. So, um, I
1: yeah, I'm actually 20. So I think that I don't remember off the top of my head, but the demographic of women who get the most abortions is in between the ages of I think 18 and 23. It might be a little broader. It might be 18 and 25.
0: And when did this kind of kick in with you? Uh, Were you a teenager when you started thinking about pro-life? When did this start to actually become a cause for you?
1: Well, like I was kind of saying it, I mean, it was throughout my whole life, but it became the most important to me. I think once I became an adult, once I turned 18 and once I started actually having friends who were going through this decision, actually knowing people who were going through this difficult decision um, that were, you know, that needed help. That's when I was like, okay, well, somebody needs to do this. And there's, there's a lot of people doing it throughout America, but there's also not as many as should be there.
0: Sure, sure. I wanted to do an episode that could show, you know, how a man can engage in a conversation on abortion, because I feel it's all too often that a man's opinion is unheard or possibly unwanted, so I wanted to kind of have an open conversation, open dialogue with someone who does support um, pro-life and also maybe cover some of the basics of things people don't know in the episode. Yeah,
1: Um, no, I think that is, this is such, when you said you wanted to do this, Um, episode. I was very excited because this is such an area that needs help in the pro-life movement. Like this is, this is an area that people kind of don't like to talk about. Maybe they just assume that it's known that, oh yeah, men can have an opinion. Some people, honestly, I think some people think that men shouldn't have an opinion. Um, It's just kind of a topic that's almost glossed over. And I think there's such a need for it. So I guess we'll get more into that.
0: I want to cover the basics for people that may not understand the terminology first. Pro-life, pro-choice. Tell everyone what the definitions of those things are.
1: So there's, it's, it's funny because there's so much confusion with everything, but basically pro-life, there's pro-life and there's pro-choice. Pro-choice is synonymous with pro-abortion. In our culture, you know, every day pro-choice is more pro-abortion. So For pro-choice people, they will say that they support a woman's right to choose. This this choice that they support is the choice to have an abortion. So being pro-choice means that you're pro-abortion. Whether you're pro-abortion only in some cases, whether you're pro-abortion all through nine months, you're still pro-abortion in some way. Being pro-life means we respect every human's right to life from conception to natural death. So, um, the pro-life movement in America focuses on, on um, you know, babies in the womb because those are the people who aren't protected um, in our nation. So these are the people who are being slaughtered every day. There's an average of 2,363 babies killed every day um, in America, and we, the pro-life movement in America, is mainly focused on giving these babies rights.
0: And just to kind of shape out you know the term pro-life um a person that's pro-life will also not support the death penalty for criminals is that accurate to say
1: that is okay that is that is a very much contested um um topic typically i it's because okay so basically to be pro-life we technically are pro-life we're protecting innocent life so we're protecting um, the lives of the unborn children who are obviously innocent they haven't done anything wrong the death penalty some i i will have to say that some people who are pro-life do support the death penalty because they do not think that the person who is given the death penalty is innocent so there are there are different sides it's not it's not i guess um a it, asset of being pro-life is you have to be against the death death
0: And what about would a pro-life person would they condone the use of lethal force by a police officer or military?
1: Yes, typically yes.
0: And what about a person um, that's pro-life are they accepting of birth control?
1: that that also depends. So um, that it depends on the person if just just the pro-life movement in general, would typically, yes, I believe it, it depends on the pro-life organization, but because the thing, the difference between birth control and abortion is that birth control is not killing anything. Okay. So birth control is what a woman takes before she gets pregnant to prevent a pregnancy. There's not, there's not a taking of an innocent life there. So, so you don't have to be, um, pro-choice to support birth control. You can mm-hmm. be pro-life and support, birth control because there's no other life it's the it's the woman's choice that is the woman's choice
0: would that include like a morning after pill or is that like a, a different
1: no. so so plan b the morning after pill that um we assume that conception has already taken place so that would be killing an innocent life
0: i see i see i know these yeah, all seem lot, they seem like odd questions to ask but no, to they me, are always, Those
1: are the hard questions
0: it also it always seems like pro-life and pro-choice seem to exist on a spectrum or an individual mm-hmm. makes up the rules for each one you know or whether there was some standard definition for it all and uh, that's well, why i'm curious about these things yeah
1: i mean typically typically if you are pro-life you are for the rights of all innocent life so whatever that means so birth control you don't we don't really take a position on the death penalty, possibly it's, but innocent life, no pro-life person is for killing innocent life. That's basically that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now walk me through this. So is a grim topic, but walk me through what an abortion is and what is the technique to perform it?
1: there are, there are a lot of different kinds of abortions. So there's the abortion pill, which is actually two pills. So this is in the first trimester. It's in, you know, the early stages. I think, um, it's only supposed to be taken up to 10 weeks, but I've seen recommendations recently for women to take it up to like 12 or 13 weeks. Basically the woman takes a pill and it, um, it kind of deteriorates the, the insides of her of her um, uterus where the baby is growing. so it, it basically sheds the baby's home. So the baby doesn't have anywhere to grow. So they take this pill and then they take another pill that expels the baby from the body. So this this pill, you know it's it's called the pill. People think, oh, it's just a form of birth control or something. Um, no, we've had graphic stories of women having to be hospitalized, you know because, Basically, it induces labor. The second pill does. It induces labor. The women um, are left alone. They're, they're not in a hospital or anything. Sometimes Planned Parenthood will like get them a hotel room to be by themselves. You know, basically going into labor. And the, if if it doesn't, if something doesn't work, if something doesn't work right, if they get infections, there's just so many side effects that are not talked about with the pill. And so this is the probably the most common type of abortion. But then there's the, there's the other, there's like three other types of abortion. There's late-term abortion, but then there's one right before late-term abortion. It just depends on how far along you are in your pregnancy. Most of them though, if you look at the videos, there's some really good YouTube videos by Dr. Anthony Levitino, which will go through the specific procedures of each of them. But it, I mean, there's suction abortion. The doctor basically puts a vacuum inside of the woman and suctions out the baby, and they have to make sure that they don't miss any pieces. Um, otherwise, women will get an infection. There's DNC, there's DNE abortions, which that basically consists of using like little, um, like clips. They basically cut up the baby inside of the woman's body and then take the baby out. Um, and they, they do the same thing, you know, in Illinois, abortion is legal all through nine months. So this can be a fully formed baby. that is ripped to pieces inside of the woman's um uterus and then taken out
0: wow it's terrible wow is there ever an exception to the pro-life stance that's such a like maybe a medically necessary reason to abort a child Mm -hmm.
1: that that is something that actually has changed over the years so we've always held that if the mother's life is in danger the mother, the mother can choose that her life is, um, I guess, technically more important than the child. So the mother can choose to save herself over the baby. A lot of the times these women actually will choose to save their child, but it's not it's not a pro-abortion standpoint to choose to save the mother's life over the baby's. However, this currently, the, m- many medical professionals have said this. There is no situation in our day and age where an abortion is medically necessary. So there might be situations where um where a pill some sort of medicine will need to be taken by the woman and that could harm her baby, or some sort of surgery might be need to be done on her and that could harm the baby, but there's never a situation, so there are no exceptions. There is never a situation where an, a, an actual abortion is necessary to save the life of a mother.
0: And explain, you mentioned this a, a minute ago, explain what Planned Parenthood is. I think nearly everyone has passed one of these buildings, but many don't know what it is.
1: So a Planned Parenthood is, Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States. So typically when I'm talking about an abortion facility, I just say Planned Parenthood because there's most, most of them are Planned Parenthoods, but there's also just abortion facilities. But anyway, Plan, so Planned Parenthood does not just offer abortions, and they they make this very clear. They offer they offer some sorts of contraception, some sorts of you know um, like protection methods, but they don't they most of their profit. I think it's like I don't know. I think it's like. 90 some percent of their profits come from abortion. Everyone knows that they're the abortion provider. Provider. It was a myth of, you know, I feel like a decade ago that people would say, oh, no, we don't just offer abortions. Well, no, they don't just offer abortions, but, but they mainly offer abortion. You know, people go to Planned Parenthood for abortion.
0: I see. I see. With no legal precedent on the fatherhood of an unborn baby, how can a male talk to a female that he's fathered a child with about abortion I hear all the time my body my choice does the male really have any influence at all
1: yes so this is honestly such such a hard a hard issue and it really um it I've talked to to a lot of men a few men who've actually had their girlfriend get an abortion, a few of them who their girlfriend hasn't even told them. But this is this is an issue that's really hard because you're right. A man doesn't have any um, legal authority over the child because the child doesn't even have any legal rights in the U.S. currently. So what? But but from experience, from talking to women, what a man really should do, you know, is simply say that he's there to support her because. It's funny. So many of the women I talk to, I've actually never had a situation where a man has been, where there's been a man in her life, her boyfriend, her husband, whatever, um, even her father. There's been a man in her life who's been telling her, you can do this. You can have this child. I've talked to so many women. I want to say like 90% of the women I talk to, the boyfriend, if he's in the picture, is encouraging her to get the abortion. So to say that men have no influence, I think is very, um, not true. Men have influence. So many of them are using it to, to coerce their girlfriend to get an abortion, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think?
0: No, I think you're exactly right. I I wasn't thinking about it really in that, in that perspective. Um, you know, I would hope, I've never been in a situation where I've had to have this conversation with anyone, you know? And, uh, and I I try to think of it from the female's perspective of, you know, the fear that might be there immediately, you know, the change in life, change in body, all these things that I can't, I'm not, you know, I'm not in there. I'm not understanding what's going on emotionally or physically with someone who is uh, carrying a child. And I can also see, I guess, what you're saying from the male's perspective of being terrified, oh my gosh, and I'm not ready to to be a dad, you know, you should go get an award. Like I get that too, I think Um, for me personally, particularly, I would love to have my voice heard because I would want to bring a child into the world if I could. And, uh, and that's why I would want my voice to be heard. But I, I guess there's a million things that are probably going on in the minds of people that are, that are going through this or maybe not seeing options or seeing a, a financial hit to this or, you know, any number of, any number of things, it's kind of mind boggling to me that all the possibilities that exist here.
1: Yeah. And I think that a lot of men um, don't speak out about this or, you know, think they have no voice because that's kind of what society tells them is that um, abortion is all about a woman. But the, the thing is, um, abortion, I think a lot of um, men you know the fact that we have that we have abortion readily accessible to women can allow men to use women a lot more as well you know if abortion wasn't accessible men would actually have to take responsibility for their actions you know the fact that we have this easy out this abortion looks good you know the man's like oh hey just get an abortion like we don't we don't need to deal with this um whereas if if the men actually had to take responsibility, I think a lot of them would, you know, I think it's just a, it's just a cop out an easy thing. You know, we, as humans, we go for the easy out. And honestly, I don't think that the men who um, are telling the women that I've talked to to get an abortion, they know literally anything about it. You know, I think that women know more about it just because it is, it's inside of their body, you know. Women have, you know, a lot of them have done research on it a lot of them have done research on, you know, birth control, their, um, how that works with, you know, conceiving, with all all this stuff in relation to conception. Men just think, oh, I'll bring her in to Planned Parenthood. You know, if they look it up, it it just says, yeah, bring her in, and then you can come get her in, like, two hours. It seems like an easy fix, and society is not telling them otherwise, so why wouldn't they do the easy thing, you know?
0: Well, you know, I think uh, what you're saying is, is interesting, because I think things like, abortion, divorce, they become a commonplace in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone out there listening, and some of my demographics are this, you know, if you're a 50-year-old person and you were growing up in the 70s and the 80s, divorce was still relatively rare then. Parents still stayed married for a long time. But what you started to see as you moved into the 80s was divorce was becoming more commonplace. It was kind of like a, a naughty word you didn't say. You didn't want to do that. You know, there was The kid in your neighborhood whose parents got divorced, people looked at him differently. They looked at his family differently, you know, because nine out of 10 other families were still happily married, maybe not happily married, but stayed married. And, um, and, but it becomes more and more commonplace. And now divorce is all too common. Hey, things aren't working out. Let's just get divorced. You know, there's no no one's putting any work into it. And I, and I feel abortion has become one of those commonplace words where it was a naughty word. Oh, you don't say that. You don't say the A word. Like, we're not going to do that. Like you can, your baby can go for a, for adoption and the parents had a lot of influence and other things were happening in the 70s and the 80s. And then it just became one of those things where it's like, hey, you're pregnant, go get an abortion. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it is so sort that
1: of, that I 100% think that that has a lot to do with it. And I you, think that. No, go ahead. Uh,
0: Well, I was just going to say, once you get it into the lexicon of the world like that, it's just now it's accepted. Mm -hmm. Let's just do it. You know, it's hard to pull Mm -hmm. back on that once that kind of that trigger has been pulled, right?
1: Yeah, no, I think it also, you know, had a lot to do with um, the whole sexual revolution. Everyone can do whatever they want now, you know, Um, no responsibility for everything. And now, right, it's just commonplace. It's just as commonplace as going to get birth control. It's as commonplace as, you know, going to the doctor for uh, some sort of a procedure. It's just this commonplace thing. And I just think men don't, men and women, they hear something, they think, oh, that sounds fine. And then they do it and they only regret it later in life.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, that's true. This has been a big year for legislation That's uh, beginning to help the pro-life movement. Uh, I think what we saw in Texas was a major news story. Like every, like any, if you were turning on the news at all, you were hearing about Texas, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I and I think it's, I have to say that the topic of abortion is probably one of the single most difficult things to engage in a conversation on, except for maybe racism. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's definitely. You know, they always say politics, race, religion are the three things you can never talk about. Well, abortion's probably also in that list because people are so divided on it. And what uh, and, the thing is, is I think politics and race and religion involve male and female alike, right? Where abortion really involves the female. So people are on politicians about legislating stuff like this that are male. So males are put in a very interesting predicament. Right. Right.
1: And I think that, but I think that, you know, just the irony of it's, it's really just the women who are saying, oh, men don't have a place in this. They're, but they're only saying that men don't have a place in this. If the man is pro-life, if the man is pro-abortion, they tout this man is, oh, he's our hero. He's pro-abortion. So it's, it's really just, you know, playing, they're playing their own game. They're, using whatever is convenient for them to say. That the justices who um who um you know passed Roe v. Wade were all males. And they don't, you know, they don't they don't say, oh, these these men were bad. So it's not that they're saying that men are bad. It's just that they're saying that people who disagree with them are bad. Because, you know, as a woman myself, I know a lot of um I know a couple pro-life women who tried to go to the women's march a couple years back. I think it was the one in Chicago. And they were holding pro-life signs saying something like that we are four women in the womb and they weren't accepted there. You know, It's not about being a man, it's about being pro-choice or pro-life. It's If you don't agree with them, you, you need to not be here. Whereas I don't really think that we're, um, I think that a lot of people in the pro-life movement aren't actually like that. You know, if, if someone doesn't agree with us, we wanna hear what they have to say. Um, I was at a I was at a rally the other day and there was there was a man who was there and he was holding a really vulgar it was a man about my age he was holding a really um, vulgar pro-abortion sign. And you know I went up and tried to talk to him and he was just he, he wouldn't engage with conversation with me. but it's just it's just I think that it's the most cowardly thing for a man to do to be pro-abortion because they're basically saying, If I get you pregnant, I'm not going to take responsibility for your child. You know, they're basically denying any responsibility. Their abortion is convenient because because they have abortion, they can go um, sleep around with any girls that they want and not have any consequences.
0: Yeah, I think really uh, kind of coming off what you said, I think really one of the single most important things that anyone can do is have the conversations. If you're put in a position like this, male or female or like, you know, you've procreated a child, there needs to at least be a conversation. That's the fairest thing. Um, you, know, you should talk to your doctors. You should talk to people that can counsel you. You should talk to your spouse, your boyfriend, whatever the situation. And it needs to be a well-rounded discussion for sure. In my opinion, I hope it ends in pro-life, but there at least has to be a discussion, I think. People have yeah, to Yeah, no, and
1: I agree. And I think um, just one example is There was a mom that I was um, pregnancy counseling like six months back, and her husband, we were trying to get on the phone, but her husband was very much against her having this child. He wanted her to get an abortion, so it took forever for us to to connect because she tried to get in a place where her husband was, and then she'd be too scared to call me because she'd think that her husband was going to see, right? So I think we went on for like at least a month about this. She was, by that time, she was more than a month pregnant. And she was really scared because he still wanted her to get the abortion. And the farther along the pregnancy you go, the more expensive, the more, um, the more risky the procedure is. Anyway, finally, we got on the phone, we talked, and I explained the help that Let Them Live can give them. And it's, Let Them Live gives so much help in all areas, you know, financial, um, emotional, everything that you could possibly need. So she said, okay, actually, I think I'm going to talk about this to my husband. And she talked to her husband about it because she, she was still like, I don't know, I might get the abortion because he wants me to. She talked to him about it. And um, he was like 100, it was 100% 360. He's, he was on board, he was ready to help her. He started taking like these fatherhood classes, all this stuff, just because he found out that there was help. And because he said, we can do this, she said, we can do this, you know, it was his influence. He, he the fact that, like I said before, Saying that men have no influence is just not true. The fact that he decided, okay, we can do this now, made her decide we can do this. So that that's an example of a brave man, of someone who, you know, was scared. He didn't really know what to do. He didn't, he just thought abortion is the easiest way. I'm going to tell my wife to do this. Then, you know, his wife found out that there's, that there's help. And honestly, the man should could have done that himself, but he didn't, so the woman decided that, found out that there was help, told him that there was help, you know, and because he was, he was ready to support her, she said, okay, we can do this together.
0: You're at uh, Illinois Right to Life.
1: So, I'm at Illinois Right to Life, and I pregnancy counsel with Let Them Live, so I do both of those.
0: And you're in Chicago. Yes. What's your day-to-day like? What, what do you do with Illinois Right to Life? What's, what's the-
1: yeah. So one of the things I love about Illinois Right to Life is that we do like, we do so much different. We do so many different things. We're in so many different aspects of the pro-life movement. So my day-to-day, I do, I'm in communications. So I do a lot of, I do a lot of email writing. I do a lot of article writing. Um, I do our podcast, live chat. I I talk to, um, and then, but then also I talk to women who call in and need help. You know, I talk to people one time we, my coworker and I were literally on the streets of Chicago and there was a pregnant woman who, need help, who needed help or a woman with a child. She wasn't pregnant. She had a young baby and we helped her. Um, and then when there's big seasons in legislation, sometimes we have to go down to Springfield and help Illinois write to life action. So it's a lot of, um, you know, sometimes we work with the press, we get interviews. It's a lot of My job at Illinois Right to Life is working in communications, you know, a typical office job, communications job, but it's on the pro-life movement. I also do our social media. Um, It's in relation to the pro-life movement, and we also, you know, sometimes we'll have to stop our day because we get a call from a pregnant woman um, because we have a Project Love program, which is a grant program that we'll help them get into, so. That's kind of kind of the day to day in a long is, explanation.
0: Is there any like a political lobbying that happens with organizations like that?
1: So yes, that it's kind of so it's kind of confusing because we're the C three and we have Illinois Right to Life Action who's C four. We have gotcha. two lobbyists in Springfield who do that.
0: And those are nonprofit. Lobbyists. Those are nonprofit designations for those. Yes,
1: yeah, sorry. Um, C three means um like non political, non religious. Mm-hmm. C four is political. So our political group who we, I mean, I do communications for them as well. So I work with them pretty closely, but they work down in Springfield lobbying um, all the time. We have two great lobbyists. So we were doing a lot with that when, unfortunately, the repeal of parental notification was passed about a month ago. Mm. We were, I was down there and got to see, you know, kind of like got to see what was happening and how how crazy and like just strange everything was down there nobody knew what was going on everything was secretive um it's unfortunate but Illinois is a crazy place to be pro-life in
0: I bet probably pro-gun too right
1: <laughs> personally yes <laughs> uh,
0: I think people have to go to Indiana my home state to uh, to get their guns and then take them back to Chicago right <laughs>
1: <laughs> it depends on the type of gun. Yeah, you can get, I mean, you can get like your uh, your gun license, your concealed carry, all that here. It's just, you have to jump through a ton of hoops.
0: Yeah. Savannah, I really appreciate you coming on as a guest. I think this was uh, an interesting conversation. It was a fair conversation. It was a pleasant um, back and forth on what this what this is, you know, you answered a lot of questions, things I didn't know about. And I, I certainly think that my listeners, you will have answered a lot of questions for them. And I, I do hope if anyone is in a situation like this, that they communicate, find someone to mm-hmm. communicate with, go to a group mm-hmm. like what Savannah uh, is part of, find a friend, find a priest, find, talk to your boyfriend if you can, if you, you know, whatever the situation might be, but get the information the information, the conversation is important for a decision like this. This is literally a matter of life or death. You can't You can't put it any plainer than that.
1: Yeah, just one more thing before we end, if I could. Um, I just wanted to tell one more kind of quick story. Yeah, um, of course. I have, so one of my professors from college, and I think I told you this a few days ago, but one of my professors from college, um, he regularly sidewalk counsels. So sidewalk counseling is basically Um, you should get trained for it, but basically you're outside, you stand outside of an abortion clinic or a Planned Parenthood facility, any of, anything like that, and you typically have resources, I have like little cards that I give people, um, and you know, you know where they can go, pregnancy resource centers for women, and you try to, try to convince them at the, this is like the last moments that they have to choose life. So anyway, my professor has been doing this for years and he gets a ton of slack because he's a man and he's in his 50s or 60s, I think. Actually, no, I think he's younger. But anyway, he's in, he's in one of those age ranges and he's been doing this for a while and he gets a lot of slack because he's a, he's a man, you know, he's an older man who could be a lot of these girls' fathers. But he says that he honestly has so much success. I feel like he has more success than I do because a lot of these girls going in, you know, they're not these empowered women who have this great life. Um, they're broken and they're looking—they're looking for someone to help them. So when they see a man outside who is like, "Hey, I know how to help you. I have these resources," he looks credible. You know, he looks like an intelligent person who will actually be able to give them real help. When they see that. They, they take the opportunity and they say, okay, tell me what help is there, you know? So I think that it really can't be underestimated the importance of men to be outside of Planned Parenthoods. I have such a hard time. I have a lot of guy friends who are very much pro-life, you know, they'll, they'll be outspoken about it. But when it comes to coming to a clinic with me, they won't go because they say, well, you know, we're men, nobody's going to listen to us. Don't, the girls don't want to hear us. It looks bad for us to be out there. And I just, I think that that's the opposite of the truth. I think that if you're a man and you want to side to a council, honestly, a lot of the times you might have more success than us women because we're, you know, we're young, we're in the demographic that could be helpful, but these women, they're, a lot of them are just hurt and broken and they need someone who looks like they actually have help. And a lot of the times they, you know, women want a man figure in their life. And a lot of the times they're, they they do not have a good relationship with their father or something. And or with their boyfriend and they just need somebody there. So I think that that's very important.
0: How can people get involved in a pro-life organization or support that cause in some way?
1: Um, So there there are a lot of different ways, but I'll just say, if you go to our website, IllinoisViteToLife.org, there's a pop-up and you can sign up for our email list and you will get everything you need to know there. You'll get um, news on the local and national level, you know, the best news sources, um, our program director is, his name is Dr. Steve Jacobs. He has a JD, a PhD. He's incredibly intelligent. He writes articles all the time. You'll get ways to get involved. You know, um, we have our pregnancy which is a way for people to find pregnancy resource centers in their area. Um, we have, we just have a lot of news, a lot of what's going on, how you can get involved. So I think that's the biggest general direct way to get involved is go to Life.org and there's a pop-up and sign up for our email list. I promise they're not spam because I literally have to write every single one. (laughs) And there's organizations like this
0: probably virtually in every state.
1: Yes. So one cool thing about Illinois Right to Life is that we are, they're they're actually, well, I actually am going to say there aren't technically, organizations like this in every state there there should be but we're one of the I forget I forget the statistics on it or something but we're one of the like biggest state organizations that also deals with national topics so um so if you if you sign up for ours and then like reach out to us we can help you find if there's a similar one in your state or if there's a nationwide one that would suit you better like live action is a great pro-life organization you go to liveaction.org, you can find them. Um, If you're interested in sidewalk counseling, like I mentioned earlier, sidewalkadvocatesforlife.org or .com? I think it's it's .org. Um, They will help you get set up and get trained. Um, Letthemlive.org, that's the other organization. That's the one I pregnancy counsel for. They're such a beautiful organization and um, their stuff is always very real because it, it is real. It's, you know, it's real stories and very empowering. So letthemlive.org, that's them. Yeah, and they're nationwide.
0: And how can people find you out there in the interwebs? Are you on social media?
1: Yes, and if you want to find me, um, I'm very active on my Instagram. I, I post a lot of pro-life content um, and do a lot of things with different pro-life organizations. It's Savannah underscore Dudzik. So S-A-B-A-N-N-A-H underscore D-U-D-Z-I-K. And then I'm also on YouTube. I'm trying to post more. It's just Savannah Dudzik um, and Facebook, Savannah Dudzik. There's not very many Savannah Dudziks, which is kind of convenient. So I'm easy (laughs) to find out there.
0: (laughs) Good, good. Savannah, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, hopefully you come back again in the future.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, my interview with Savannah Dudzik. I hope you enjoyed it. This is probably one of the most controversial topics that I've had on the Quest podcast. I'm curious what you think about it. Please send any comments or questions you might have to the anchor.fm forward slash Metatomics voicemail or send me an email at questwithtodd at gmail.com. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyrighted content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.